Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. Uh, it's me, Justin Woolen, again, as normal. And uh, if you want to contact the podcast, you can via Twitter at, at @justinwoolen, or you can email me at justin.woolen at cisco.com, 2010. So what's the podcast about today? Well, I, I'm doing a bit of a crawler here because I'm actually with my, my boss's boss, my director. Um, it's a bit of a, it's either going to be career limiting or career progressing <laughs> or somewhere in between or clearing it off. So I'm with Sarah Eccleston. Let's aim for flat. Hello, it's Sarah Eccleston. Let's aim, let's aim for flat. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anything uh, else is better. It's extra, isn't it? There you go. That's yeah. it. it. was a Brucey bonus. Yeah. So, yeah, so why am I with Sarah today? Well, Sarah has recently taken over as head of architectures, which I'll get her to explain in a bit. Yep. And I was in a meeting with her the other day, and she did a great job of explaining the role of architectures and how what's the value of the architectures that bring to our solutions and our customers. So, and I thought she did a great job and she always speaks in really clear layman's terms. So I thought that's an opportunity for the podcast. So that's why I asked you in. Okay. There we are. Right. So you've been in, you've been around, I've known you for too long. Not too long. I can never know you for too <laughs> okay, long. Okay, let's back up. I'll, I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> edit that bit out. But uh, yeah, I've known you for a long time and, and we've, you've, you ran, you've run EN for, for a good six odd years and now you're in charge of our architecture team uh-huh. and you've been in post about three months. So what have you, what's, what's the sort of things that you've been able to, to observe and what are the, what's the, the real value that, um, the architectures can bring to our customers today. Okay, all right. So should we? Shall I first explain which architectures there are? Yes. Yeah, you just can explain to it. If so don't very, know. very quickly, just in case people don't know, it's it's because it doesn't include security. So we should make that point. Yeah. So it's security it's, special. It's on its, its own. It's special. So it's uh, we've got networking or enterprise networking. We've got data center. We've got collaboration, and it also includes software. So it's kind of bringing the four of those things together, and, and I lead those four. And things. how do we work out what's the end and what's data center and what's do you know what? A... Some really clever people up in San Jose figure that out. But um, in a nutshell, it's exactly what it says on the tin. Although you do you do raise a good question because you know architecture is okay. It's a term, an industry term, but it's really a Cisco term in terms of selling. You know, it's, our customers don't buy architecture necessarily. They buy solutions for a print business challenge that they have or a business improvement they want to make. And so Cisco selling by architectures doesn't necessarily help our customers. And and so to your point, that's why the the the, um, the presentation that I gave to our sales teams recently was how to sell for a, a or, or how to explain to our customers what our technology does for them mm-hmm. in um in in addressing some of the challenges they're facing and and hopefully that will be useful for the customers today uh, rather than saying this is what's in the EN architecture and this is what's in data center and this is what's in software that kind of doesn't really matter to our customers what matters to our customers is how those things work together in order to solve their problem. Yeah, so because you mean in my bit, yeah, which I'm sure our podcast listeners have viewed many times, you mean that's generally our routing business, our switching business, and our wireless business. Right. Data center has um, switching Also data center well. switching and obviously uh, compute capabilities, but then there's a lot of other things in the data center stack now as well. So if people still think of data center as uh, switching and compute, then you're missing some tricks because yeah. we've made a number of acquisitions in that space, and I'll talk about some of those today. Um, and so it's that it's that whole data center stack, and the the Nexus switching portfolio and the UCS are very important parts of that stack. But they're they're the bottom layer of the stack. They're the mm. infrastructure. Some of the more clever stuff sort of sits on the top. Um, and then software is a, obviously all about Cisco now moving to being more of a software company. But what does that actually mean to a customer? Yeah, I'll I think we'll, we'll cover that, that a bit later on the podcast because that's a whole maybe even a podcast on its own. Isn't it's it probably is a podcast on its own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, from that. 
wonderful presentation that you gave, and it wasn't even a presentation; it was a whiteboard session. And mm-hmm. and, and uh, seeing a senior director in Cisco, <laughs> not senior. Oh, not senior yet. Well, you see, you've been here a long time, so I think that's seniority in that no, way. An old director. An old director. That's well, a different thing altogether. Um, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> being able to very clearly and eloquently show to other salespeople, and, and believe me, our salespeople do need it simple, uh, how it all pull, pulls together. And that's the bit that sort of my light bulb moment for then was like, wow, this is not, we need to get Sarah on this podcast so you can explain it. So okay. this is where I go over to you now. Okay. Well, first of all, I think we all need it explained simply. And, um, you know, being able to articulate the message simply isn't just for salespeople. It's, it's just being able to talk about, again, what's happening for our customers right now and what technology have we made to help that? or bought, or integrated, whatever it might be. Okay, so shall I get started? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the, the challenge that I was presenting on that day was um, a challenge that we're really seeing in the market. Um, but, but regardless of what you call it, we have this challenge, or our customers have this challenge right now, where they've, um, they've ha- they have had, and they still have, their traditional IT team, and that traditional IT team is you know, developing, you know, robust, secure, stable, reliable networks and data centers to run their business um, processes and applications on. And that's great. And then what happened is, you know, we talk about digitization. Let me just say for the purposes of this, what is digitization? You'll hear a hundred different terms, but in a nutshell, in your layman's term, what, what digitization is, is it is the automation of a business process Um, using technology nothing more than that so it's either the creation of or the automation of a business process that adds business value but using technology this is nothing new we have been doing we've been automating business processes or automating processes with technology for years so Mm -hmm. machinery in a factory automated you know the manufacturing processes um, so rather than people doing work we now have robots doing it cars automated the process of getting from a to b that's technology automating a process The difference about digitization is that the technology we're using to automate that business process with is the internet or internet-based stuff, applications, et cetera. Does that Uh, make sense? It it does, well, to a certain extent. But when you say internet-based, does that mean it's it's connecting over the internet or is it connecting to something that's living in the internet? Either something on the internet, something internet-based, an application on the internet. Um, So everybody uses the Uber example. Uber haven't digitized the process of taking a taxi ride from A to B. They have digitized the process of hailing a cab. Yes. And paying for that cab. Yes. And they've done it with an app that sits on your device, which is internet connected Uh and talks across the internet to servers in Uber and gets that cab to you quickly and gets gets that cab paid for. So what they've done is they've digitized the process of hailing for and paying a cab using the internet. So where would, and maybe this is part of what you're going to explain, and where does we fit into that then? So do we fit into something like that? There's a lot of the internet that goes over our stuff. Yeah, so let's start with that. Um, So yeah, a lot of the internet obviously is built on Cisco infrastructure, but also a lot of the uh, technology which is um, computing those apps, analyzing the data of those apps, um, a lot of that technology is, is also Cisco technology. And then, of course, the network itself that that communicates across is, like I say, hopefully 70% of it, roughly 70% of it is a Cisco network because that's our market share. And so 
so that's where I say that, you know, digitization using the internet to automate these processes is a big thing for Cisco because it means it's internet-based technology and, and that's kind of what we do. See, the bit that all goes off in my head when you say the internet, and that's mostly the bias I bring to it with the when you talk about digitization and everyone talks about it, is you start thinking about right, it's hosted out of the cloud or it's hosted on the internet and right. that's what you that's where you're going to get it. Because I think about it if I'm getting a using that service, I'm usually on a street side. Yeah using 4G yeah. on my phone, that sort of thing. And then you sort of think about where do we fit into it? So it would be most probably in, into the service provider bit. You could be into the actual where those applications yeah. are being hosted and run from yeah. or and you anything might think in between. Yourself, so what's that got to do with Cisco? Because yeah. Cisco isn't a cloud provider or a service mm. provider. And you're right, we're not. But those service providers and those internet providers and those... Um, you know, those services are provided on Cisco infrastructure. Yeah. So we're not the service provider, we're not the cloud provider. And, you know, people might have said in the past, Cisco doesn't have a cloud strategy. We absolutely do. It's not to become a cloud provider it, ourselves. They, they should know what the cloud strategy is now. Because we've had the podcast. Because we've had Joachim on. <laughs> they might have heard lots of other things, but apparently he was so, talking about our cloud strategy. So, um, so, yeah, so, you know, but we provide the infrastructure to those providers. So, yeah, when you're using an app on your phone... To, to do something like hail a cab or order a coffee with Starbucks or whatever it might be, you know, more often than not, not, that app will be hosted on a Cisco server and or it will get to that, you know, um, that server in that data center via a Cisco Nexus switch uh, and or it will get to the data center over a Cisco network that's made up of Cisco routers, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that happens because of a lot of infrastructure along the way, mm -hmm. and we are the market leader in that infrastructure. So, so you know, like so I connecting said, you to that, yeah. So connecting you to that app, there's a good chance you're going to be going over some sort of Cisco infrastructure, and where that application is being hosted is going to be a good chance. Almost it's going to be, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got yeah. it. So this is why digitization is a big thing for us. So, so again, if we if we say if you start with the summary that okay. Customers are looking to create and use business applications, technology, mm -hmm. to, to automate their business processes. Then that's digitization. And a lot of our customers are doing exactly that or are looking and trying to do exactly that because they recognize that they can be more efficient, they can be more cost effective, and or they can provide better services to their customers if they embrace you know, this world of applications that we're using all the time in their business. Yeah. Okay. So if you start with that point, so what that means is that we've then got, um, you know, our customers have got their traditional and still have their traditional IT teams and their traditional IT infrastructure, very reliable, stable, secure infrastructure. But then because they want to do this stuff, you know, with um, creating new applications, let's say, new, new software that could do something for their business they haven't done before or automate something for their business that previously they weren't automating, they have a new team of people, often called DevOps, often called software development team, whatever they might be, the apps development team. They have this other team of people who really want to trial and really quickly get these new apps out there and see what they can do for the business. And of course, as a business, they want to get those apps out there really quickly because if they are going to add business value, why would you want to wait? Yeah, because that's sort of going on in the industry, isn't it? That sort of fail fast, Much. isn't it? So yeah. develop it quick, get it out there. If it works, great. If it doesn't, Absolutely. Bin it and get it another one developed. Absolutely. And so what was happening at the very beginning is this DevOps team would come up with an app and they'd say, this is going to be great, it's going to make us better at this or get reach our customers that way, whatever it might be. And they were then going to the traditional IT team 
and saying, you know what, can we can we put that app uh, on the infrastructure and start running it? And the IT team, understandably, um, are cautious about that because they've got to run the infrastructure that's supporting the business as it is now. So they've got their own things to do. Plus, the way traditional IT has worked, um, it takes a long time to make changes. So to put these changes into effect, to um, allow that to, first of all, to even approve that the app can go on the infrastructure, then to actually put that app on the infrastructure, then to secure, make sure it's secured by writing the right security policy, then to ensure that it has the right quality of service on the network. These things would take weeks or months, understandably, because that's the processes that our traditional IT teams, you know, have been, have been limited by. And so what the DevOps teams did is said, you know what, don't worry, I'll just go spin it up on Amazon or wherever, a similar, you know, um, web services provider. And they said, I'll just spin it up on there, where they could spin it up in hours. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they did. And they were given, you know, authority and budget to do that, again, understandably, by, by our customers, because our customers didn't want them held back from deploying new apps and trialing, like you say, failing fast by you know, the rigors and the timeframes of traditional IT. But at the same time, they didn't want their traditional IT impacted by that either. They still need to run the business. Trying to keep it separate, so yeah. So they've been kept separate. And that is what Gartner termed bimodal IT. Now, it makes sense. I'm glad you've explained it because I think that's the first time I've got it. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, so that makes sense how it got there. You can see how that happened. But at the same time, you know, when our customers are having to deploy two parallel strands of IT, one for reliability and security and another one for speed and agility, you have got to say there's something up with IT. That's not good enough. Yeah. We need to bring those two together. And so that's where Cisco said, yep, that's absolutely what we have to do. We're not serving our customers by, by you know, only allowing this. We need to get on board with this and we need to develop technologies that... that still give you that reliability and still give you the security and that stability of traditional IT that we've been used to for years, but at the same time are much faster and much more agile for our customers to be able to respond quicker to this whole digitization trend that's happening and to be able to respond quicker by creating the apps they need to make their business better, more cost-effective, etc. Okay, great. So what are we doing then to help to bridge this gap then between the traditional, solid, reliable, yeah. to the fast and agile. Okay, so it's less bridging a gap and more bringing it together. Okay. Um, so what what we've done, so first of all, this this sort of, it, it, again, this isn't an architectural message. This is all of Cisco Technologies bringing it together. So on the data center side of things, of course, we have the Nexus and we have the ACI. So with our Nexus 9K and therefore with the ACI, customers can just use a Nexus 9K as a really great switch if they want to. But you also have the ACI, which of course enables... ACI meaning? ACI is our automation platform for that data center. Okay. And what that means is that they can um, they can uh, build that infrastructure in the data center much quicker. Is that application-centric infrastructure? <laughs> yes, it is. That's do right. we have and to you, do that on our... Yes. We oh, don't do, do we? Are we not allowed to do We don't do acronyms, no. You can, you can do it. First time you say it, you've got to explain it, and then you're allowed to carry on. What if I don't know an acronym? Should I just miss it out? Then you rely on me to say it. Thank you for that. So that, that enables you to build your infrastructure, obviously, much quicker and, and configure your infrastructure in the data center much quicker. Okay, that's great, but you've still got to do everything I've just talked about with these apps. Again, they can be spun up really quickly in, in other areas, in other in other ways, in cloud-based data centers, public data centers. So, 
So what then happened was we have made a number of developments and acquisitions. So you'll have heard of Tetration. Oh, yes. Yep. You'll have heard of Cloud Center. Yes, definitely. Um, and also a recent acquisition, which is App Dynamics. And these, um, these acquisitions are all in a similar space, which is, again, about making that data center more intelligent and more agile. So, for example, Cloud Center will enable you to spin up your app in, uh, in, in a, in a cloud-based data center if you want to allow DevOps to do that if they want to. Um, but, you know, when you feel it's ready to move back and you might say, well, why would you? Why would you not just leave it there forever? And the answer is because some customers tell us that it can get very expensive as time goes on leaving those apps there. So um, you might want to bring them back and Cloud Center enables you to move those apps between those two So strands. it's an interesting thing because where I cover in public sector, that's the interesting thing of, of there is a very much a cloud-first strategy in government. Yeah. And it's, well, what can I put in the cloud that will that I that I can do, that legislation will allow me to do it without sort of breaching any sort of data privacy act. Mm -hmm. But then actually I can have the same sort of experience very quickly by bringing that into my own bring data center. Okay, yeah, bring great. it back in. So Cloud Center enables that and it also enables, you know, the spinning up of an app to be much quicker as well. So that means you can start to use your own traditional um, IT infrastructure, either to spin up that apps much, those apps much quicker or to bring them back over to that traditional infrastructure when you feel you're ready or of course move them the other way. So Cloud Center is one area in that, in that one technology in that space. And then the other one is Tetration that I mentioned. Now Tetration is an analytics capability that we now have in the data center. Um, what used to happen is you would put your apps in, or what does happen still for many of our customers is you build these apps and you, um, you have the infrastructure for those apps in your data center. But after that, it's a little bit of a black hole. So you don't know um, necessarily the performance of those apps within your data center. You don't know what or how much of your infrastructure is being used by those applications. You therefore can't set policy for that based on that because you don't know it. Um, and you, you can't even do any sort of basic measuring analytics. Like I say, it's just a bit of a black hole. And so what Tetration is great for, a, a number of things. It gives you the analytics. It kind of gives you that insight into that black hole. So it does tell you what infrastructure and how much of it your apps are using. And um, Does it tell you how well your app, app is performing? performing? Yeah. Right, so it gives you analy analytics on all of that sort of stuff, but within the data center. Okay, so it's giving you that detail of how it's all going, what's going on inside that infrastructure you've got. Now, why is that great? Well, because again, traditional IT have still got to make sure that the, the business apps that they've been used to and running their business on for years are still running and get, you know, their amount, their their sort of, um, their share of the infrastructure. Somebody in DevOps could come up with this great app, we put it on the traditional infrastructure. How do you now know what effect that's had on your other stuff? Yeah. How do you know how much of the infrastructure that's taking up? You don't. Plus, of course, um, you know, there's the whole security element in the, inside that data center as well. So, so Tetration is kind of then enabling our customers to have that visibility and therefore enabling traditional IT to say, yeah, you can put those apps in our traditional IT. They don't have to just say no anymore. They can bring those apps into traditional IT, but still feel comfortable that they are going to have the visibility of them that they need and they're still going to be able to manage their infrastructure. They're not going to get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so, so these are the kinds of things that are going on the data center, which kind of make it, that, that's the data center stack, which kind of make it, and of course the, the data center stack 
includes other things as well, which is, you know, which have been there for configuration and automation, like the UCS director, etc. So the stack still includes those, but these these are the more recent elements, really targeted at making uh, our data center more agile to configure and giving more visibility of what's happening in that data center so that the two separate streams of infrastructure aren't as necessary. A customer has the choice of doing more with their traditional IT, but doing it quicker as well, yeah. more, with more agility. So that's fantastic, but then, then your network becomes your sticking point because now you've made your data center I'm sorry to say that because you're never I know, I, I, I did cringe a bit then. It was you like, did cringe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you okay. Cringed. You actually cringed. I did. I was don't like, worry, oh, no, it's network's fault again. I'm going to reverse it. So um, I'll reverse my position in about two minutes. Hang on. So, so now you made your data center really fast, really agile, great. But like I say, the network is now the weakest link because um, going back to what I said you know, a few minutes ago, if I'm in a room with customers and I ask them to, you know, with, who've got managed WANs, managed WANs through a service provider, and I ask them, you know, how long does it take for you to change the quality of service for an application on your network? They can say six weeks. You know, they have to, so in some instances, they have to put a change request into the service provider, and the service provider will then change the quality of service for their for the application for them. And that can take six weeks. Yeah, I, I got a real experience of that where my neighbor who works for a big uh, IT company and he works on the web web front end of theirs and he said to the network team, we need to test this and validate this new front end we're doing. We need the network to be able to make some change in the network and they said the same sort of thing. Yeah. So it, and it was, yeah, and I was like, we sat there having a, having a drink so and it was like, stuck. and I was like, crikey. Yeah. I went, that's exactly what we're talking that, about. That's right. So you're still stuck. Because yeah. So now we've made it so you can spin up an app on your infrastructure really quickly and we can see exactly what it's doing and you can put it on your infrastructure within you know a few hours instead of weeks or months. Super duper. But now it's going to take six weeks to give it the right priority and quality of service on your WAN. That doesn't, that doesn't work, does it? That's not no. sustainable. So, um, so Cisco then said, okay, now we're going to make it much faster, the, the network faster. And not... They've got to make the network faster to perform. It's not about making the, the bits go faster. Yeah, bits faster or make the pipes the bigger. Enough, isn't yeah. it? That's not the problem. It's about making it faster to configure and manage and change things on your network. Mm -hmm. So we've got this app now in the data center. We've done a great job of making it you know, really quick and really agile. And now we need to very quickly tell the one it's got this priority, this is what it does, etc. And maybe tomorrow we change it back. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to stay there forever. So that was where Cisco then came up with um, a portfolio, uh, an intelligent one portfolio, if you like, but um, came up with a tool called the APIC-EM. Application Policy Infrastructure Controller Dash Enterprise Module. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could have said it better myself. And they came up with the APIC-EM, and that APIC-EM enables you, instead of... that's our SDN controller, isn't it's it? It's an SDN controller for the WAN. And what it means is... And the LAN. And the LAN. And what it means is, instead of um, the IT team having to either log in, well, instead of them having to log into every box on the network, if you like, every router or every switch on the network and reconfigure this particular feature, be it Quas or whatever, on, that, on every individual box, and then when you change your mind tomorrow and another application is more important, you know, you log into every box and you change it again. 
that is too time consuming. And what it means is people don't do it because how can you do that? Yeah. So instead mm -hmm. what you do is you log on to the APKM once, you tell the APKM, and the APKM does it all for you. Because it's automated that process it's automated. And, it's, and we've taken all the complexity and hidden it behind a really good app, isn't it? I know this is this is my area of expertise, so I can talk about it for once. <laughs> and and so, yeah, and so, for example, I met with a customer this week. They said, oh, we're rolling out uh, voice on the network. I have, what are you doing about calls? Mm, yeah, and, I, and then you just go, let me show you. And I showed them the, the yeah. RSDN controller with 8PIC EM, yeah. and they just went, that's what we need. So it is that make, and it is, so everything you're saying is right about the network is, is such a big blocker to getting things done. Yeah. By being able to automate that is allowing us to be a lot more agile. Exactly. And so 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 now you've made the, the network faster as well, more agile as well. And then but think about how, you know, where that goes next. So okay, so that puts the APKM onto your um on, onto the onto the WAN. But what also then happens is you'll virtualize that WAN. So um we've come up with something called ENFE which stands for oh. Enterprise Hyphen Network Function Virtualization. And what that means is... Well done. Thank you. <laughs> we've, um, we've decoupled the software from the hardware. And instead of, in, in the future, instead of buying a router, and actually not that far in the future, you can do this now, instead of buying it um, a router, that of course is a piece of hardware that happens to have some software on it, you can buy a server, and we put that routing software on that for you. We've decoupled the two. Now, what that means is, eventually, if you think about in a branch, for example, you might put your server for your business apps. Well, now you can have that server with your router again. And at some point in the future, the two will be able to talk to each other and make it even, you know, an even better processing power. So the apps that you've got running your business can actually gain information from the network. You know, that's kind of where yeah. we're going with it mm -hmm. in order to, you know, that application might need that information. So right now, though, if you just think of it as a virtualized platform, the great thing about that is, again, instead of you having to order um, a WAN link for a branch and it taking two months maybe for, yeah. for that to be installed, you put your server in the branch and you put your routing software on your branch and it all gets configured and set up. So it's all in the same box. Does it, all in the same box. And you, your APKM can configure it and bang, you've got, your, you know, you've got your network up really quickly as well. So now the network isn't the, isn't the showstopper either, if that makes sense. So... SDA is also sort of more around software-defined um, uh, networking and access. And again, you know, if you think about uh, our product, the ISC, the Identity Services Engine, which is where we set the policy of saying who can do what on the network and what, what can do what on what device. If you think about coupling that with a software-based network, now you have this amazing ability to really segment your network and yeah. say what can do what. Well, this is great because... Remember, we've now got business-critical apps. We've got these new business applications coming up that we've created to digitize our business. Um, and who knows what else on the network? IoT coming up with new kinds of things applying to your network as well. So now you want to be able to segment that. And that's where software-defined networks, along with the ISE, really give you the ability to, to offer a software-based segmentation, if you like. Yeah. Making it quicker, giving you that security. Um, so now both the data center and the network are faster to deploy uh, from an infrastructure perspective. It's faster to deploy and prioritize apps on them. Both will have you know, analytics, so you can then see how those apps are performing and how much of your infrastructure they're taking up. Um, and then you've also got this segmentation capability, so you can really secure that as well and secure both. Yeah, so and it's doing that in an automated way, so it's not the thing that's 
ties the network down. It takes ages to do, and that's where yeah. you're allowing the network to be more secure by and be more agile. And because that's the thing that's sort of lacked, isn't it? People talk about network security, and some of yeah. the things that ISE does has been around for a while, but it's just because they've automated it and you're using it via policy, yeah. it just allows the network to be as the as well as providing the connectivity to be as agile you're allowing the network changing to be agile mm -hmm. but you're allowing the network security changes to happen dynamically be a lot more agile is yeah. that is that fair yeah to that, say? that's fair to say so the net net of all that you know again going through you've got your nexus 9k with your aci for, for fast infrastructure deployment automated infrastructure deployment in your data center you've got your cloud center and you've got your tetration and your apt all you know in your data center making that more intelligent and more agile and then you've got the same in the network you've got your intelligent one you've got your virtualized one and now a software-based um, networking capability as well and an automated one means that within hours someone can create a new app deploy it in the data center prioritize it on the WAN, segment it on the lan within hours that would before have taken months and because it would have taken months, it was a showstopper to digitization. It was, a, it was a showstopper to customers being able to actually use business processes because they couldn't, they couldn't to, to make their business better because yeah. they couldn't actually deploy them quick enough anyway um, on their own infrastructure. So now that showstopper has been taken away and it's all just much faster. And that's, that's where those technologies really come together to provide that you know, much more agile IT, but it is still as robust and stable as traditional IT has always been. Okay, and this might be a bit, not controversial, but a bit awkward question, but does the customer need Cisco end-to-end -end all the way from the, the data center all the way through, or can you just do this in parts? Because I can't, I can't imagine every customer going, I'm gonna refresh my data center on my LAN and my WAN all at the yeah. same time. Yeah, no they don't, no they don't. So for example, some of those da the data center technologies, the acquisitions we've made, you know, they're recent acquisitions, so they're not linked to Cisco technology in any way. Obviously, there is a Cisco stack, and over time, developments will be made so that they hook into each other. Um, but no, they don't. And having, you know, a different so tetration can any customer's data center. Yeah, and any and, you know, if you look at your actually, if you look at the in the networking space, yeah, AppD is a recent acquisition, so that's not linked to Cisco technology either. So, so no, it doesn't have to be. But obviously, you know, there is a stack there. But the great thing about APKM, though, and to, to that point, is that you don't have to buy anything brand new. You can bring an a, you can put APKM so that the from a LAN and the WAN perspective on an existing yeah. network. Yeah. As long as it's got the certain version of, of software running on it. Yeah. Yes, and it works the other way as well, which is that we have open APIs on all of these platforms, uh, these automation platforms, so that if you want to create an app that is really specific to your business that requires enforcing by the network. Um, so, you know, if if you want the network to tell you when something happens, for example, um, I always use a flippant example, which is if, you, if you're a retail store and you want a particular demographic of a person to when they walk in the store, if you want to be told that so that you can offer them a certain product of yeah. some sort, Cisco's never going to develop that app and put it in our network or in our data center, but you can. So you can develop that application and you can use the intelligence from our infrastructure to tell you when that happens and you can develop the app. And, and our automation tools will equally automate and enforce those applications for you on the network yeah. um, because we've got these open APIs. And, and that's the great thing though, because across the whole of the network from the data center down to the, to the, to the branch or to the office or whatever, mm -hmm. 
is the customers can write these these open APIs. They can write their own apps. If you want to automate something, if you want to make something quicker, you can yeah. write the app to do that. Correct. Correct. And and so we've we've ensured that everything's got the open APIs as well. Yeah. For that reason, it's all about enabling you to write the apps for your business. And us making sure we can we can put that in place really quickly, we can enforce it for you, we can give you the intelligence you need for it from the network. So make sure that the app runs, the performance of that app is great from end to end. It's perfect, it, yes, yeah, yeah. But also there might be intelligence we have, you know, maybe our tetration will have some analytics information that would make your app, your, that would make your app better. Yeah. Or maybe the network will be able to provide you with intelligence and information about about what's happening in your environment mm-hmm. that you need for your app and you know again we're never going to create those apps because they're too specific okay so, you mean this sounds a bit too good to be true you mean is this the end to end story you mean is this is it never get any better than this because are we is this the the the, the ultimate cisco end to end story it's the ultimate cisco end to end story for now but of course what always happens is things always move on don't they so there'll be some new challenges that i'm sure will crop up and we we want to fix them as we go and we'll 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 make acquisitions or we'll um, innovate new technology as we go to make it even better but right now that that's full end to end story i've just given yeah, you know, that, that solves the business challenges that we're seeing coming from our customers right now. Okay. That, that's brilliant. And that's exactly what you presented to, to those sales guys in Cisco. And hopefully the customers and, and partners and whoever's listening to this will hopefully, in their minds, listen to this podcast, get a good view of, of what the value of, and the, how we can help. Mm-hmm. The value of what Cisco can do to help you with your, your, make your uh, organization, your business more digitized. Yeah. Right. One other thing that we need to talk about, <laughs> and it's not the elephant in the room, it made it sound like that, though, <laughs> is is that software is now part of your remit, isn't it? Yeah. So what does that mean? Because a lot of the stuff, we're not a software company, are we? we I know. We I will be. Well, that's a bit. Go on, explain. <laughs> Don't tell anyone on Wall Street that. They, they think we are. Yeah, no, Cisco is moving towards being more of a software company. And actually, Cisco is a massive software company. It's just that... What's always happened is people have bought Cisco that came with the Cisco software that came with the hardware. Yeah. So you didn't think you were just buying software, um, but actually uh, we we do we are a software company, yeah, massively. But it always came with hardware. That was the difference. So yes, we are a software company. But you're right, um, software is something that's changing and becoming much more of a focus for us in Cisco. Okay. So that. Say how. Go on, then. <laughs> I was open. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Um, so go back to that end-to-end story that I've just described there. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about it, um, let's talk about hardware at the moment, boxes. The boxes that a customer, all our customers have been buying from us for years, haven't changed a great deal. They've got faster, like you say, bigger pipes, you know, more features on them. But fundamentally, they've been buying a catalyst switch for a long time um, and a nexus switch for a long time. Uh, and uh, an ISR router for a long time. And those boxes are now changing quite dramatically, if you think about the stack that I just described, mm-hmm. to, um, okay, so we've got the Nexus 9K, which is a stateless switch, but then in the in the networking space, I talked about ENFV, buying servers with routing software on them, not buying routers anymore. Yeah. So it's not going to be an ISR. It could be an ISR for now, the ISR 4K, which has a server in it, but it could also be... So uh, we have ENCS and we have, you know, basically buying servers. So they're buying very different boxes, hardware. Yeah. So ENCS is the, it's basically a x86 that has routing capability. It is. So um, 
which is radically different. And, you know, software-defined switches and LANs will be the same, radically different pieces of hardware. So some customers will want to adopt that straight away. But, I mean, this is leading-edge stuff that I'm talking about. So some customers won't. And some customers will still, you know, prefer to buy the traditional infrastructure for some years to come. But the point is, even if they're buying traditional infrastructure right now, like I said, they've been buying our software for years just in the hardware. And so what we wanted to do for our customers is to make sure that at some point in the future, if they move to this radically different new hardware, or even if they don't, if they just want to move to bigger, faster boxes that they've been buying for years, but bigger, better ones, that they can take the software they've already bought with them yeah, and not have to rebuy it. So that's a bit. So you buy the software and then you just run it on quicker, faster hardware as and when it comes out. Yeah. So right now, let's say you've got a Cat 3K. Great. You've bought a Cat 3K. That's hardware and it's software. You've already bought the software. Let's say you want a new Cat 3K that comes out in a couple of years time. Fine. You really want to be able to take that software with you because you already bought it. Or let's say you don't want a Cat 3K at all. Um, You're going to move to a software based switch. Or you don't want to buy an ISR 4K again, even though it's got all the software on it. You're going to buy a virtualized switch and you just want to take that software with you. Yeah. No problem. The point is what we're trying to do now is decouple. So instead of you've always bought the software and hardware together, now we've decoupled them. So you can buy your hardware. You buy the software separately, albeit still in that hardware. Uh But when you move to a new hardware platform, you take your software with you because you've already bought it and we allow you to port it over. We also um, accompany that with a service called Swiss, um, which is services for software. And what that means is, in addition to supporting that software, you also get all the upgrades and updates. Yeah. So, so what that means is as we come out with new features, you don't have to buy a new box to get the new software. You've, because you bought that software separately, you'll get all those upgrades, you'll get all that new functionality as we develop it, which is mm-hmm. really important for customers because, as you can see, this is a time of a lot of change. And a lot of stuff will be coming out the next couple of years. And with this agility that you've been talking about is, is that's happening and yeah. it's going to happen more in the future, is it being able to go, there's a new feature, a new function, like we need to get out there quick. Yeah. All right, have we got it? Oh, no, we haven't. We have to go and buy the license for it or we have to go and buy it. And you just want to allow yeah. the customer going, you, because if, with this software updates that you can you can have with us, yeah. are very quickly going, yeah, we can get that, get it down, get it on the network and get it deployed and start right. using it. Right. And, and that's... You know, that's why Cisco is becoming, one of the reasons Cisco is becoming more of a software company, because continuing to sell our software and hardware tightly coupled together doesn't serve our customers very well anymore. Uh-huh. Because the hardware and the way networks are being deployed is be, is just becoming so different. And it isn't fair that every time it changes, which is going to be, you know, which is quite often, um, that our customers have to keep buying the software they already bought once. So what we came out with is a couple of um, ways of doing this. Obviously, we have Cisco ELAs, which is Enterprise License Agreements. And we also have C1 or Cisco One. And Cisco One is a way of a customer buying what they were going to buy, but we sell the hardware and then bundles of the software separately. So you'll buy your hardware and then you get a bundle of software, which is features ABC. Um, and then, like I say, when you move to a new new platform, you take features A, B, and C with you yeah. and the iOS with you. So, so um Buying, it's kind of, they're still buying. It's not like we've suddenly developed a ton of new software. When people say Cisco's becoming a software company, it doesn't mean that we're suddenly moving into a new part of, you know, the IT world where we're developing lots of new software. We do develop new software, but what it means is we're selling the software. It more means that we're selling the software 
decoupled from the hardware so that our customers can buy the hardware platform they want and then they can buy the software the for it that they want. Very similar to the way you'd buy, you know, a hardware laptop and then decide on the packages that you wanted to put yeah. on there. Very similar. And then they're your packages and if you and want to yours. change your hardware, change your laptop, you, you just you reinstall the software on something else. Exactly. Exactly. And that is exactly what we're doing. So so you know in the first instance, you know, we would always urge our customers to, to start by looking at the, the software bundles that they want and then buying a Cisco. What software one. do you want to run on your network? Or what do you yeah. want to, what features do what you features need? What features do you need and then then look at the platform that suits and that's then right. how important is that software to you? Do you want to keep it forever? Yes. yes. Well that's the right way to go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And also do you want upgrades to it as it as we invent yeah. new stuff, basically. There we are. Yeah. That's Very software. Good. Yay, we've done it all. Okay. We've done a lot and it's been we've been talking for ages, it seems okay. like. So, Sarah, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. Thank you for inviting um, me. You're welcome. Yeah. It's only been like 18 months before I, I know, about got time. Your, I know, sorry. <laughs> um, if anybody's got any any questions or anything you want to find out, you can contact the podcast. That's at Justin Woolen or email me at justin.woolen at cisco, cisco.com. Yeah, two O's one L. Um, and thanks very much, Sarah. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Bye.